Hi everyone, my name is Ellie Lee, Korean American, actress, TV host, and I just woke up to the light, to the power of faith, to what it really means to put yourself first, to say a strong no to the people and things that don't meet you at your highest worth, and what happens when you live your life according to what makes you feel whole and authentically you. This is for everyone who feels unworthy, undeserving, and unlovable. I hope this podcast lights a fire inside of you and flips your world upside down. Welcome to Just Woke Up. Hey everybody, it's your girl Ellie and welcome to another episode of Just Woke Up Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. It means the world to me. I know that we are going through COVID-19 hell on earth and it's a very unsettling time right now and just energetically and just emotions and moods are just everywhere and everyone's going through their own thing. And so that's why I am working hard on this podcast to bring you just hopefully some peace and light and hope and faith during these times. I, uh, I've i been feeling certain things too. I think that I have almost prepared for this corona time because I was going through so much of what people are going through now in the last eight months. So there's like a sense of peace within me knowing that I can't control the uncontrollable. And I think this is a really special time even though it's a super it's it's the biggest catastrophe our generation has ever seen but I think we need to find the silver linings during this time and really find what the earth is teaching us and what we need to learn within ourselves our guest today is someone that is truly magical and I met her because I took her class at a meditation center called the den in Los Angeles and wow I cried for an hour during her entire class because I was just so moved. And you'll listen to Laurasia. Her name is Laurasia Maddenly, really talk about her journey, her work, and what it means to come home to yourself and find compassion, not only for your inner child and just your internal being, but also what it means to have compassion for others. And so there's so many gold nuggets throughout this interview. I really hope you enjoy it. Please subscribe, rate, and review. That all really helps the podcast grow. Share it with anyone that you think could gain something from this. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Woke Up. Hey everyone, it's your host Ellie Lee and welcome to another episode of Just Woke Up Podcast. I'm so excited for this woman I'm about to introduce you to. Her name is Laurasia Mattingly. Oh my god, I wrote this down because she has so many things. A meditation expert, can we say? Teacher. Mindfulness (laughs) teacher and a Reiki master. Can you, can you just... Just just say hi. Hi, I'm Laurasia. I'm so happy to be here. And Laurasia, I just want to quickly tell everybody the way that I met you was I was taking, um, it was a Reiki class, yes, right? Yes, And uh, you were the teacher. And when I walked into the room and I sat down, first of all, I was like, this woman is like the most beautiful woman on the planet. And then secondly, when you started speaking, I was like, oh... Her aura is insane. And I like she we were talking about this, but I was bawling <laughs> while you were teaching the whole yeah, class. Yeah. I was just completely bawling. So um, let's just start from the beginning. I know you wanted to tell a story about your name yeah. and then tell us like where you were born and raised. Yes. Yeah, so my name is Laurasia. Um, obviously, it's not a 
common name. And so growing up, I was always annoyed that it was so hard to spell Mm. and I would have to repeat myself. But now that I'm older, I appreciate it. And my mother actually said she learned about it in eighth grade. So Laurasia is actually a supercontinent or hypothetical continent. So the world was Pangea, right? Mm -hmm. And then it splits into Laurasia and Gondwana land. And Laurasia then becomes Eurasia, North America, South America, and Gondwana land becomes Africa and so on and so so forth. And the continents keep splitting. But I probably met 30 people in my life that know exactly what I'm talking about. What? They'll be like, oh, where's your brother, Gondwana land? Mm -hmm. Or... In college, actually, um, there must have been one geography class or geology class that people would take because it would always be the same around the same time mm. that people would screenshot me Laurasia from their textbook and they would say, I'm learning about you. So oh my God. it's a real thing. People are always like, oh, stage name? I'm like, no. It's your Birth name. given. Yeah. yeah. It's like a goddess name. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, okay. And where were you born and raised? So I was born and raised, I was born in Tarzana. What? Um, I know. And then raised here in L.A., so it's a rare. Mm. You very rarely meet L.A. folk. But uh, my story goes deeper than that. Um, I was adopted. So mm. I was born, my birth mother, they flew her out here from the Philippines. Wow. And she gave birth to me here in L.A. Wow. Um, but yeah, all of my, well, all of my, we don't really know who my birth father is. Mm. All we know is that his nickname is Butch. Mm. Random. Wow. Um, and my birth mother, her name was Marie Faye. Or is. She's still alive. And I have... Three half-siblings mm. that currently live in the Philippines. Mm. Okay, so I want to talk a little about this because obviously you didn't come out of the womb being this like super enlightened, like magical human <laughs> being. Like you came right. out like all of us, right, like, you right. know, whole and authentic, but then, you know, this world happens to us. Right. So can you tell us a little bit about, since this podcast is called Just Woke Up, like yes. kind of what led you to your kind of spiritual enlightenment? Yes, honestly, it's it all started with uh, when my mother was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. Mm. That happened my junior year of high school, wow. and I remember I had transferred high schools. I was such a little horseback riding girl. Mm. I was nerdy. I like played tennis. I ice skated. I did ballet. I played violin. Like any Asian kid, I did all the all the things. I had no social life. Yep. And then I transferred to Calabasas High, mm. which was, I mean, if no one, if whoever's listening, if you've never heard of Calabasas. The this, Kardashians live Yeah, there. it's like a, a big yikes. Yeah. Um, I show up there and it's just like a reality check, like holy moly, like there's 15 year olds that look like goddesses. I'm like, what's mm. going on? Um, and so, but that was the same year that my mother was diagnosed with cancer. And so I realize this now in hindsight that I was masking the pain by becoming a stoner girl Mm. and starting to dress really sexy Mm. and wanting attention from boys and this kind of reckless behavior of like always wanting to be high and, you know, Mm. seeking attention from guys. It was masking this pain that I wasn't facing, Mm. the reality that my mother was dying. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was kind of in denial. She was, she ate through a feeding tube for like a whole entire year. And I would see that every single night, but we'd still get in fights with like her not letting me go to parties. Mm. And I would just remember like yelling mean things at her, which, you know, a lot of times in my class when we talk about forgiveness, one of my biggest things is letting go of the way that I treated my mom when she was Mm. sick because 17 year old girls are bitches. Mm -hmm. And I yelled some horrible things to her. Mm. Um, But, you know, time passed and I got into college Mm -hmm. and my mom wanted me, we actually, before she was sick. Uh, we went on a, an East Coast college tour. Mm. Um, she did it. It wasn't like through a school. We visited all the New York school, schools, and I told her, well, I get to pick one if we're going to the East Coast. 
And so I picked Miami, which is where I ended up going because of the warm weather. And I remember my dad saying, you know, please stay closer to home. Your mom's sick. And I remember my mom pulled me aside and said, what's a five-hour car drive to San Diego versus a five-hour flight to Miami? Go to Miami. Wow. And so she actually helped move me in, which was so sweet, even though she's going through chemo. And again, in college, the reckless behavior continued. Mm. I was numbing the fact that I had a dying mother at home. Um, You know, drinking, blacking out, partying. But, you know, that's normal college stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But now that I have this awareness, of course, masking everything. Mm. And this behavior continued Mm. after college. Well, sophomore year, actually, in college is when my mother passed. Mm. It was a month in. We had just moved into houses and, you know, coming from the dorms. It's super exciting. We're like our first time living alone. And... A month in, I got a phone call from my dad saying that um, my mom had to come home and that the hospice nurses were taking care of her, which ultimately meant, you know, she's mm-hmm. one week to live. Mm-hmm. I remember my dad putting her on my phone, or on the phone, and I tried to block this part out, but it's reality. She wasn't even making sense. She, like, lost all of her, mm. whatever that word is. But, yeah, she wasn't making sense. And I was like, oh, my God. It started hitting me. Um, and I remember coming home and she couldn't even speak to me, but I would like painted her nails and, oh yeah, just like this image of her. She was just bald and skinny mm. and it was so sad, but mm. her funeral happened and it was super overwhelming. I remember my dad even forgot to invite his secretary who mm. has known my family since before I was born. Mm. It was just like an intense thing, but I returned to school um, shortly after and I remember that things happen in threes, I guess. So my mom passed, and then my dad, my dog died like two days after, and then my dad went to the hospital because oh he had a hole in his stomach. It was crazy. Wow. But they usually say like once your partner passes, something happens. Yeah. And he didn't even tell me. Wow. He didn't want to worry me, and mm-hmm. but my grandma was still there, so she helped take care of my dad. Wow. It was intense. Um, but that moment, like seeing her, you guys can check out this video. It's on my website, but. Literally, I was there the moment my mom took her last breath. Like, I remember holding her hand and the hospice nurse putting the mirror by her nose to see if there was breath. Yeah, her breath was still, like, coming out. And that moment was pivotal for me because something clicked in my head Mm. that I, you know, I realized life is short. Mm. Tomorrow isn't promised. Mm. And so even just the way that I carried myself back at school... Still partying, numbing myself, but as far as my studies went, I was like, eh, I want to be happy. Mm. And so I kind of went on a rebellious streak. Mm. Like, I was studying broadcast journalism, criminology, super into, like, all of the politics at that time, but then I was like, no, I'm mm. going to be happy. i got to finish my degree. And, you know, being the stoner that I was back then, because I was numbing myself, um, in Florida, weed is a felony. So I was like, we're going to document, like, legalizing weed out here. Uh-huh. And I remember I did all of these obscure, weird projects, but... All I knew was to follow my joy. And then, um, I Can I ask you a question? Did you have self-love at this point? Like, did you understand the idea? Because just for you by saying something like, I want to be happy, it's like people say that, but you you don't really understand what that means when you say it. So what made you came to like say the words, I want to be happy. And like, was there self-love during this time? In hindsight? No. Mm. In the moment I was lying to myself saying, yes, there was. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't any real self-love until I turned towards that sadness that I was afraid to face. Mm. That I had been masking, Mm. numbing Mm. for so long. Mm. Like I remember in high school specifically, like a thought that went through my head was, oh my gosh, I'm getting clear-headed, need to do something. 
Like I didn't want to be with what was there, mm. which ultimately is what I teach now. Yeah. I mean, you've been there, but can you talk a little bit about that too? Like yeah. how people do that. And yeah. like if, for people who are like listening to this, yeah. who have never heard of that concept, which is probably right. something that they're doing. Can you yeah. explain like what, the, like how humans do that? So as humans, I mean, this practice that I teach self-compassion, which come to that class, mm-hmm. it's focused on this, but it's known as a warrior practice. The Buddha created it to ease the suffering of all beings. Mm-hmm. And it's called a warrior practice because it takes great strength to turn towards the difficulties. Oof. Wow. Yeah. And the thing that most humans do when suffering arises, we evade, we avoid, we run, mm-hmm. we mask. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times, like for me, smoking weed, hanging out with friends, partying, I did everything I could to not be with myself and my emotions. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those things offer short-term relief. It's like putting a Band-Aid on the wound. But it doesn't lead to lasting happiness. Mm. And so for so long, I was lying to myself. You know, I always had a positive, bubbly personality. Mm. Always. And I would tell myself, I am happy. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm acting happy. But it wasn't until I found the practice that I was like, holy fuck, there's a lot of uncovered shit here. Um, And it was my first silent retreat that I went on after about a year of practicing intensely. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that I sobbed the whole time. <laughs> I felt the sadness that I didn't allow myself to feel. Um, and actually, it's funny, you're recording this podcast now. Today, in my class, I totally cried when I was talking. Really? And that happens like once a month, maybe. Wow. But my whole point of teaching is like, I'm not here to say that I know more than you or mm. that I'm more enlightened by any means, because even those teachers turned me off. I'm here to share my experience and the tools that work for me. Yes. And perhaps they'll work for you. Yes. And if they don't, that's fine. And if they do, excellent. Mm. But I teach from a space, I think that, you know, I'm still learning too. Mm. Mm. We all are. Yeah. And I think that that's what drew me to my teacher and mentor, Mm. uh, Heather Preet. Shout out to her. Mm -hmm. Um, She's a wise, wise lady. She Mm. studied Tibetan Buddhism for 10 years, then studied and teaches for UCLA's Mindful Awareness Research Center. And she's so human. Mm. I remember what drew me to her. She sits down in class and I'm like, Again, who's this goddess? Like, <laughs> and her first line was like, I used to be a go-go dancer in Chicago. And I was like, I'm listening. <laughs> and she talked about how, you know, she would seek attention from, you know, her audience mm-hmm. members or whatever you call them mm-hmm. um, because she wasn't receiving love at home from her father. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this story relates. Mm-hmm. Not that my father didn't love me, but it was like in weird ways. Sure, of course. Yeah. We're masking mm-hmm. our pain. So that's what drew me to her. And I was like, okay, well, I didn't even know I was going to be a teacher at that time. I was like, I love that she's human. Mm. I'll listen to her. So you, your practice was Buddhism. You were studying Buddhism. And mindfulness. And yes. mindfulness. Which mindfulness comes from Buddhism. Got it. And oh. that started in college. Uh, right after college. Mm. In college, I remember I was so obnoxious, but I would like post these positive inspirational quotes. I got my lotus tattoos, which in Buddhism is huge. Mm. It's like a lotus blooms the most beautifully from the bottom of a swamp. Mm. The mud is the suffering of the world. We need the lotus. Mm. I got a lotus when I was 18, when my mom was diagnosed. Mm. I didn't even know like that it was Buddhism. I have a lotus on my shoulder too, which I got it the year after my mom passed as like a, you know, from her suffering mm. and my suffering, I've like grown and blossomed. Little did I know that I'd be reading literally today from a book called No Mud, No Lotus. Um, oh, so, I have that book. Yeah. I love that book. Yeah. So yes. it's been, and that's my favorite. We'll talk about it later. Okay, cool. But it's weird. It's been there. Mm, that's like, and I don't not, think that's weird. That's like yeah. some divine oh, we know. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for me, it was this um, understanding. Like my mom was so strict in raising me, and when she passed, I realized right away. Oh, the universe knew she didn't have much time to teach me her lessons. Wow. 
So she taught me all of the things intensely in that time. Wow. And yeah, it's interesting because I have some students, one specifically, um, she's a medium. Mm. She's a badass Filipino lady too. And, uh, I remember she was a complete stranger and she comes up to me after class. She goes, can I tell you something? Mm. And I was like, sure. She's like, this might sound weird, but you know, I've worked at the den. I've heard it all. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. People do see ghosts and spirits. Sure, and they talk sure, about sure, it. sure. Yeah. And she's so like, sure. She's like, your mom came to me. Ooh, I just got chills all over my yeah. head. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, like people always tell me my mom oh, okay, comes okay. in and out, but this got crazy. She's like, your mom came to me and she showed me little flashbacks of your childhood. Um, she, you know, she saw, she showed me you on your birthday, ice skating. She wanted to say she's so proud of how strong you were. Oh. Um, also, you lost something of hers. And I was like, what? And I barely remember this because I was high through mm-hmm. most of the time in high school and college mm-hmm. that she was like slowly dying. Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, a ring. You lost her ring. And I was like, what? And I now then it clicked. I remember it. Like she gave it to me when she was sick and she was like, this is for you. And I remember being so high. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, don't smoke anymore. Nothing wrong with it. But mm-hmm. at that time, like stoner girl. And I was like, okay, I'm going to put this in the safest place. Mm-hmm. And you know. I have no idea where that was. Mm. I was like, I'm taking it to the grave. Never tell anyone. Mm. And so the set, the medium was like, she's showing me where it is. Oh my God. I know. Oh my God. I know. And um, she told me, it's like in this little wooden box and blah, blah, blah. I leave the class. I start sobbing. I remember I was like on La Brea, just like sobbing on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And I was about to have this meeting with this other gen teacher. And I was like just crying outside the restaurant. And I call my dad and he's crying and he doesn't even believe in any of this stuff. Mm. I was like, dad. You have to look for this wooden box oh with a ring. Like a few hours later, he calls me. He's like, this? He sends me a picture. It's there. That's oh, it. Oh, my I know. God. Crazy. Oh, so your mom is really yeah. watching you. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I get those little glowy orbs in all my photos. Girl, I've been getting glowy orbs everywhere. Yes. So that is, she is yeah. with you. Wow. That's powerful. And it's almost like this is like the more beautiful way that she can be here because I think her presence here on earth Mm. was like it was so intense we had a really tough relationship Mm. we would get in screaming fights every day and we would go to therapy and like it was like intense she Mm. would search my trash through my trash and my drawers and it was like a a bit much Mm. Um, but I was also a rebellious teenager and I pushed back you know, she would say, don't get a belly button piercing. And then I'd be like, got one. Got one. <laughs> and then she'd be like, you're grounded. And I'd be grounded and I would sneak out. Like, dang. It was like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going through this whole awakening in my life. I want to have so much compassion for other people, mm-hmm. but it doesn't come naturally to me. Like, it, like I, I quickly just want to like get up in their face and like, you want to yeah, fight, yeah, you know? Yeah. But after I took your class, I really started to really pay attention at the way that I spoke to people like strangers. Mm-hmm. And like, I was sobbing in your class because you kept saying, may we have compassion for all living beings. And like mm-hmm. being in that class just really awakened me up to like how I can be like the next level of a human being. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about like that things that you, yes, yes, totally, totally. So loving kindness is beautiful. For those of you that have no idea, it's also known as meta, mm. but essentially what it is, uh, and it's like a fundamental, amazing Buddhist teaching, is a well-wishing for the happiness of yourself and also all beings. And so it's important to not leave out that we have to care for the self first. Mm, 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 mm. You know, we can't fill others from an empty well. And so I think that I really started being able to share this when I was okay with myself. Mm. Because if you're not okay with yourself, and that's when the people are bitter towards everyone. Mm. Those are the complainers, the jealousy people. Like, those are the people that aren't okay with what's here, so they project it outward. So in this practice, traditionally, we start with ourselves. You know, may I be happy? May Mm. I be peaceful? 
we work our way out to a neutral person. Mm. Oh no, a friend, then a neutral person, then a difficult person, and then to all beings, because ultimately this practice reminds us it doesn't matter if it's your best friend or your arch nemesis. Mm. At the end of the day, we're all beings that wish to be free from suffering. We all do. No one wants to suffer. And so that's when it becomes complicated because um, you can have a joy practice. And the way that we work with like jealousy, for example, um, we work with you know cultivating appreciative joy, which is celebrating in the good fortune of another. Mm-hmm. Where again, that doesn't come naturally, but mm-hmm. over time, with practice, you begin to realize, ah, oh, all beings deserve to be happy. Mm-hmm. Even if this other being has all of the things that I want and I don't have it yet. Mm-hmm. Yay. Wow. Yay for them. And so... It's so beautiful because we can just rejoice in the happiness of all. Like, I remember, not to even get political, but I remember when Trump was elected and being in liberal L.A., many people were affected. Mm -hmm. And our teacher, she held, like, this six-week course after where we just, you know, worked on sending loving kindness to Trump. And people would be like, what? And we pictured him, like, as a a young kid growing up, Mm. you know, experiencing Mm. heartbreak and just all of the tough things that every one of us goes through. Mm And we realized, oh my gosh, this poor man suffers too. We might not agree with the way that he acts or the way that, you know, he thinks, but ultimately he's doing his best too. Wow. That's it's deep. deep. And yeah. so like even with little people in your life that annoy you, mm-hmm. you know, it's the same thing. When people are hurting you, or not hurting you, but like when they act in, you know, ways that you're not thrilled to be around, it's because they're hurting too. It is. You so know, true. and so to meet them with compassion, mm. like I found the most difficult people in my life suffer the most. So send them love. Mm. Oh, it's yeah. so powerful. Oh, thank you. For anybody who, you know, is not in a city or a country where they have access to like take classes with you or like mm-hmm. just be in, you know, enlightened beings presence. Mm-hmm. How do you start like having loving and ki- loving and kindness and compassion? Yes. There's so many resources mm. online. Um, one of my favorite teachers uh, is Tara Brock. She wrote, she has all her free meditations online. She's all about the compassion practices. Um, she wrote a wonderful book called Radical Acceptance, mm-hmm. which I read and it changed my life. And the first chapter is called The Trance of Unworthiness. Wow. That unworthiness is literally a trance that our thinking mind Oof. has made us believe. Wow. I know, wow. mind blowing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, she has tons of free free meditations. Also where I did one of my trainings, uh, UCLA's Mindful Awareness Research Center, also known as MARC. Um, they have a lot of free meditations online, mm. these mindfulness-based practices. Also, literally two days ago, I just launched my online course. Yes! I have all of these practices. Mm. Um, I think that what makes mine different, being a millennial, mm. uh, is it's called the Zen is Fuck Masterclass. And you can also buy it separate modules, but my take on these practices, you know, when I found them initially in being a meditator, I was like, oh, I probably have to be vegan. I probably have to be mm-hmm. a yogi. Oh, gosh. Like, I hope no one judges me. I still curse at people. I, like, flip people off sometimes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to share with people, like, you don't have to be any of those things. Mm-hmm. You can literally be a tattooed L.A. girl who says fuck a lot. Mm-hmm. And you can still have the practice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I wanted to make it accessible in yes. that way. Like, Amazing. I'm not here to be super woo-woo. Like, mm-hmm. you don't even have to be spiritual. Fuck it. If you want to be happy, here's some tools that might work. I love that. I love that. You brought a little bit up on self-worth. Mm-hmm. Can you... What does self-worth mean to you? For me, 
this whole fully being worthy mm. is an unconditional love of yourself every day and that looks different every day mm. so being able to fully love yourself if you're in a mood mm. or being fully able to love yourself if you're kind of down mm -hmm. or being fully able to love yourself if you are having a little stressed out frantic day mm -hmm. you know it's being able to meet yourself in whatever state mm. and no matter what you feel just coming home to you oh <laughs> yes coming home to you yeah you know we were talking like you're filipino i'm korean mm -hmm. and in korean culture there is no such thing as self-love <laughs> it's just like it does, it's not shame, a shame 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 yeah. and also like put everyone else before you kind yeah, of yeah. thing yeah and so when i really started to understand what self-love was like the idea that if you're not showing up for yourself how the hell are you showing up for anybody else yeah. in your life when you're a mess? Yeah. You know, like everything truly starts from like inside of you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have like a, a moment or a story that, sure, you have a lot of like crazy chapters in your, in your book, but right. like, is there one that really made you feel like you were just elevating on like a whole different level. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, it's a weird, small thing, mm. but it really showed me that my practice has affected me. Mm. Well, I mean, the f several moments, but I'll, I'll give you two. So one of them, I used to be like such a road rage. Like, I mean, I had to drive in LA, yeah. which is easy compared to going to drive in Miami, which is a, sh a shit show. Okay, okay, okay. And I would yell at everyone. I'm like, what the fuck? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then as I started practicing, I realized like, I don't even yell at anyone on the road. Wow. I like rarely use my horn and that's like if someone's going to back up on me. But I'll sometimes even like be behind a bus and I'll be like, okay, I'll go slow. Wow. <laughs> and so I noticed it there. Mm. And actually I think Dan Harris talks about this on his podcast, 10% Happier. Um, but he goes, you really know you can test your practice when you're in traffic. How is Damn. it working? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like a moment where I was like, oh shit, mm -hmm. this is working. Mm -hmm. Another reason or another thing that made me realize... Um, I used to be, and I still am, and I'll explain why here and mm -hmm. all the things. So from 17 to 21, I was prescribed Lexapro, anti-anxiety. I've been on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Like, so when I was a teen, everything would work me the fuck up. And I remember even being in college, and I would like see a spoon in the sink that hadn't been washed, and I'm like, what the fuck is this spoon doing here? Mm. And I would like freak out over a spoon. Mm. Or like, I remember just like yelling at, yeah, like I'm yelling at an inanimate object in my mind. Mm. Here we are. Um, and little things would piss me off. Even at home with my mom, like, you know, it was just like a, I would yell at everything. She would yell at everything. We were both high stressed. Mm. And then Lexapro, I was prescribed that and it made me numb. Mm. And in that time, that's what I needed. I was like, oh, this would normally trigger me, but right now it's not. Wow. Um, but then over time, you know, something clicked where I finally was like, this was before I found the practice. Mm. Um, it was like right after college, but I realized I'd been following my joy and, I started realizing I don't want to smoke weed anymore. Oh, I guess I had found the practice. You're right. Okay. I had found meditation. Mm. Um, but I was like, I think that I don't need to be numb anymore. Mm. I think that I'm at a, a place now where I don't want to be high. I don't need the meds. Mm. And I did it. I got off of it, which you're probably not supposed to get off cold turkey, but I did. And I was fine. Wow. And I always tell people, you know, I'm, I didn't heal my anxiety. I didn't I, anxiety? I didn't cure my anxiety. Which mm -hmm. one? It's not my anxiety. Uh, a teacher at the den, he said, 
Watch the way you use your language. Yeah. It's not yours. Mm. It is a shared emotion among all beings. How selfish of you. And I was like, oh. Wow. He goes, anxiety arises in you. And I was like, oh. Wow. Okay. Anxiety is arising. Interesting. So it's not that anxiety didn't arise in me anymore. Oh, it does. Like clockwork. Every morning I'll pack my purse, get ready. And all of a sudden, the anxious thoughts arise about like, I don't know what's happening in my day. I need to get all my things together. Life's falling apart. Mm-hmm. But rather than believing them as true... Mm-hmm which is when your thinking attaches to this emotional and chemical reaction in the body, which will lead you on an anxiety attack or a long bout of depression. Mm -hmm. It's the thinking attaching. If you can see these emotions and sensations in your body and these thoughts as what they are, Mm. a future, so anxiety is a future thinking thought, Mm. a feeling in the body that is similar to excitement Mm. and a nervousness, a heart beating fast, maybe sweating, a sense of losing control, and you see them as those things. Oh, anxiety's arising. Okay, it's just a future thought and this feeling in the body and it falls. There's some science, I forget who it is, but if your thinking doesn't attach to this chemical reaction in the body, it only lasts 90 seconds. Wow. But we could tell ourselves, don't let your thinking attach, but it's easier said than done. Of course your thinking will attach. These mm. are thoughts happening. Mm. And we believe them as true usually. But one of my teachers at UCLA, she said, our thoughts are real. They're not necessarily the truth. So as, you know, the anxious thoughts arise, things in my mind will say like, you know, you better look at your calendar. You don't know what's going on today. You don't have control over your life. Well, all of these things that I'm like, okay, these thoughts are happening, but they're not necessarily the truth. Mm. And so over time, neurons that fire together, wire together. These things arise in me and naturally mindfulness takes care of it and it dissipates. But it was, it took effort. You know, I would have to mindfully say, okay, Larisa, I feel it in the body. Yeah. I notice these thoughts. Breathe. <sighs> Where depression is when thoughts that arise that tend to be in the past. Mm. And you ruminate and rest in the past. And then those feelings of sadness and heaviness arise in the body. And so being able to like take that step back with this mindful attention, it takes practice. Sustained practice over time. It took me years. Wow. But finally I've done it. Wow. And my thoughts are still the same, Mm. but I don't believe them as true. My sadness is still the same, but I don't let it control my day. Wow. So I think it's Zen master Suzuki Roshi. He says, meditation didn't change who I am. It made me a connoisseur of my neuroses. No one's changing here like that. Right. We're just changing the way we meet what's arising. Wow. Can we talk a little bit about your Reiki journey? Yes. So Reiki is actually something that, I always was intrigued by, but I never thought that I would do myself. Mm. Um, I would attend classes and la la la. And then there's this one beautiful Reiki master at the den. She's a good friend of mine too. Her name's Jamie Wozni. And, you know, Reiki was something that I would go to a class and it would feel different, but I couldn't like, you know, like mindfulness where I can analyze it and understand. Mm. I couldn't with Reiki. I'm like, I just feel different. Mm. And so I was like, hey, you know, like anything, if I want to dive deeper, why not learn more? And so I decided, hey, I'll get my Reiki 1 certification. Let's learn what this really is about. Uh So I did it, and it was great. And I would like, you know, I always had a doubt in my mind. I'm like, is this even real? Mm. And Reiki is always the thing that when I doubt my intuition, it's like, hi, trust yourself. And so I even remember, like, I got my Reiki 2 certification, and, you know, I started assisting Jamie in her classes, and people would come up to you, they would be like, how did you know to go to my knee? Like, I just had surgery there, and I was like, I, I didn't, I just went there. Intuition, Reiki. And so I was like, okay, 
you know, a few years passed and I started teaching a Reiki class and one thing led to another. One of my good friends, she actually turned me on to this woman in Huntington Beach. Her name's Carrie Draper and it's called Huntington Beach Reiki. And I thought, you know what? Why don't I get my master certification from her? It had been a year and a half since I had gotten any sort of Reiki certification because she uh, specializes in Reiki and oncology. Whoa. Yeah, and so she's this badass lesbian chick that she and her wife, I think, uh, both had cancer or she just had cancer and attribute Reiki for them going to remission. Oh. Yeah, so I was like full circle. The whole reason I dove, dove deep into spirituality was losing my mother to cancer. Mm-hmm. Why not, you know, get mm-hmm. my master's certification mm-hmm. from a woman that specializes in using this spirituality to heal cancer? Wow. Yeah. And so what would you, to anybody out there who doesn't know, they're like, what's Reiki? Yeah. Like, how would you describe it to them? So I love the way Jamie describes it. It's acupuncture without the needles. Mm. We're rebalancing your energy. But the way that it's technically described... Um, Reiki is a channeling of this divine universal life force energy, which of course, when I heard that, I was like, okay, uh-huh. LOL. Um, <laughs> but really we are energetic beings. And, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about this a lot. He's a neuroscientist. He came out with a brand new book. He has so many amazing books, but it's called Becoming Supernatural. And he talks about how we are these electric thoughts, magnetic feelings, like vibrational beings. Mm-hmm. So of course this stuff works. Yeah. Um, but it's a channeling of this energy and by a laying of the hands on or above, just this with the intention of this energy flowing, we awaken an energy in you that then, you know, ultimately you're healing yourself. It's this energy that knows what you mean. And it's crazy because this is one of those things where it's like, if you believe it, you will see it happen. Just the power of intention and energy and how it actually works. Mm. So this stuff isn't going to work if you're like, this shit doesn't work. Okay. It's not. You're close. It won't work. Mm. So this really taught me to trust and go in and even if I can't, you know, analyze these things that aren't really tangible and I don't understand what's going on, you just got to trust. Wow. And so it's been one of those for me. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I get asked a lot, I think, and listen, I am also doing this podcast so I can just be in like people like presence of like people oh. like you and also just to learn it and like when I'm sitting here I'm like this oh my god I have so much to learn yeah. <laughs> I have so much to absorb but We're always learning yeah always learning but I ask I get asked a question a lot by my followers and they're like well what do you do all day like how do you get spiritually awakened or like what are your practices and for yeah. me like I do TM mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of like journaling or like I'm constantly just like think if there's like a trigger for me or like a yeah. limiting belief I really look into it can you tell us a little bit about how, what I what do you, yeah what you do Mine's become simple. Mm. I follow my joy. I am not a big journaler. Trust me, I have tried. It's always me starting a cool journal that I buy and spend mm. lots of money on. And then I write about boys. <laughs> I'm like, this isn't going anywhere. Like every journal that I find, I'm like, this boy is into me or this boy isn't. And I'm like, <laughs> what it... So something that's actually helped me with journaling at least is the five minute journal. It requires five minutes of your time. Mm. Start your morning with gratitude, end your morning with gratitude. I haven't missed a day since. Wow. Easy. And then I just follow my joy. Mm. Follow what makes you feel good. I mean, it's not just me that says this. Um, Esther and Jerry Hicks, Gabby Bernstein, Dr. Wayne Dyer, all of these teachers that talk about the power of intention. Mm. You know, it's as simple as following what feels good and your life will fall into place like that. And so I talked about this on the Den podcast too, but it's like I've become so selfish with my well-being. Um, My friend Brian Ellis said this on an interview. I was like, I love that. I'm borrowing this phrase. Mm -hmm. So shout out to you, Brian. I've become so selfish with my well-being that if something doesn't sound fun to me, I'll be like, fuck it. Wow. Because tomorrow isn't promised. 
And life's too short to not feel good. Wow. So fuck that, man. Yeah. Do what feels good. Yeah. And so one time, even I remember, I was like, if I truly followed my joy, mm-hmm. I would like to learn the ukulele today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember I got a ukulele and like tried it for two weeks. It's still in my room. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a habit of manifesting generators, which is human design. I'm an MG too. Yes. You know, we get excited about a lot of things mm-hmm. and we start them all. Yes. And think, we start everything. <laughs> yes. And if it doesn't spark your joy yep, yep. through and through, then you're ending it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But yep. when you become obsessed with something great, you become good at oh, it. Oh, I'm a hundred. Yeah. I dive yeah. deep. Yeah. I dive deep. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. That's the way I was with boxing. That's the way I was with meditation. And now, interesting, um, I've just discovered pole. Oh, I've seen your videos. Okay, uh-huh. so tell me, are you loving it? Yeah, and I'm so bad. <laughs> and so, this is fun for me because, you know, over time I've gotten good at boxing where, you, you know. You look like a bad, uh, those boxing videos are, you, you're you. a badass, yeah. And so I used to love that feeling. You know, of course I started boxing when I was horrible, and then I got better mm. over time. Of course, practice with everything. Um, but it's so refreshing now to walk into that room and have no idea what the heck I'm doing, making a fool out of myself. Mm. But it feels good. Yeah. And you know what? If I found pole a few years ago, I don't think I'd be ready to do it. Because for me, this is a relearning of my sexuality. For so long, I was trying to mask my pain by being sexy. That wasn't real sexy. This now, it's like these girls, it doesn't matter what the heck you look like. Like these girls, it's an energy. It's mm-hmm. an aura. Mm-hmm. And the way that they just own their bodies... Mm. And there, it looks empowering, mm. and I want that for myself. And so, it's like it is a relearning. I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh god, this is so awkward. Yikes! But it's like, how can I let go of that judgment wow. and just own it? Yes, you know. And it's like, oh, there's moments. I'm still learning. I'm only on like my first week still. Yeah. But there's like moments in like the two hours where I'm like, oh, that's kind of cute. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's this whole different energy because another rewind before I found the den. Um, I was in a Tantra training. Wow. A year-long Tantra training with a teacher who committed suicide and passed away. Um, look her up. Sama Zadora. She's an incredible story, too. Also a Virgo. Uh-huh. Gorgeous woman. Was molested in, by her father, I think, and raised in a Christian cult and was so oh sexually like abused that mm. she went balls to the walls the other way around like a Virgo. Mm-hmm. And was like, I'm going to you know, learn everything. And so she traveled to India, studied Tantra, and... Um, wanted to share these sexual practices. And so for me, after college, thinking I'm this sexually empowered girl, mm. I had a, a reading by my good friend who's slaying right now, Natalia Benson, um, an astrology chart. And she was like, oh, have you ever considered being a sex therapist? And I was like, no, but I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. But also I don't want to go to grad school. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, okay, let's think about things. And so I like actually realized I had a horse friend, horseback riding friend, who was a sex therapist, mm. Nicoletta von Heidegger. Shout out to her. I don't know if she remembers this Facebook message, but I asked her. I was like, hey, girl, like how, what's a way that I can get involved in this like sex therapy world without going to grad school? Mm. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm at this conference right now. Like, Look up Sam Isadora. Mm. I Google her. I'm like, this woman has, like, just by looking at her, she's like an energy and a vibe. I find out later she's a Virgo. Um, but I look her up, and then mutual friend is the woman who gave me my reading. And Whoa. so I was like, this is a sign. Of course. Of Called course. her up. I, the teacher training started like three weeks later. Wow. And I was like, I'm in it. Uh. And so I go in thinking like, I'm this empowered sexual being. I'm the youngest one here. Mm. Slap in the motherfucking face. Mm. She's the one that taught me and made me realize like, hello, you're numbing yourself. What are you doing? Wow. And I was like, Jesus. And so it was like a relearning. 
of my sexuality. Mm. And then I kind of put that on hold because mindfulness took the, the lead. But now it's again, I'm coming back to that, okay, Larish, it's, it's a relearning of your sexuality mm. because for so long I thought I was sexually empowered when I wasn't. It was a mask. Wow. And now it's this coming home to myself. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I feel like I, I, uh, I, it's a, being sexually empowered is very foreign to me. I think because Asian like, culture too. Asian culture, of course. And I grew up super Christian. Oh yeah. So it was yeah, like, yes. never have sex or you'll die. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah. So like, that's really intriguing and beautiful. Thank wow. you. Um, okay. I, 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 like, really, I could go three million hours, yeah, yeah, okay? Yeah. Like, it's insane. But uh, uh, what do you, I, I really want to end this on a note where, like, obviously people are going to be resonating with you, but if you could really just talk to anybody out there who, like, feels really lost and alone and, and, and like, getting up in the morning is really hard, um, are there any words or, like, gifts that you can kind of send them that way? Yes. Um, the idea of coming home to yourself no matter what easier said than done you know it was hard for me to come home to my anxious sad self mm. but it's what I had to learn to do mm. to transform it mm. um, no mud no load is transforming the art of suffering mm. suffering isn't bad suffering is a part of life mm. but when we can change our perspective on suffering and know that it's necessary it's a part of being human uh, then that changes everything mm. And I guess the words that I'll use, and it's a meditation I teach a lot, um, but it's a loving kindness for ourself, which is, may I accept myself as I am today. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Thank you. When you kind of sit down and you're by yourself, mm -hmm. and you kind of look at your life and kind of the effects that you have on people every day, mm -hmm. what does that make you feel like? Do you sometimes feel like, wow... I, I didn't even know my life was going to go down this way and like carry this torch. But like you are really somebody that people like, I'm telling you, I left that class and I was like, if I don't hug this woman, <laughs> like you just affect people on a whole different level. So yeah. like when you sit by yourself and you really think about like this gift that's been given to you and like this journey that you're on, that you've been anointed to like walk down, like yeah. what, what kind of feelings come up for that? Well, it's interesting uh, because I think this is like the universe's way of slowly teaching me the lesson that I always wanted. Mm. Um, you know, when I was that young teenager seeking validation from people in the wrong ways, finally, as this journey is unfolding, I'm receiving, you know, these words of kindness in the right ways mm. and not right or wrong, but in these different empowering, fulfilling ways. Mm. Um, you know, every day my students tell me the same thing like you. And in the beginning I was like, oh my God, I'm going to save my first letter. I'm going to save the first DM. Mm. But it's become just such a beautiful blessing. And I feel like, you know, I'm obviously not out there in Africa, like feeding the starving kids. Mm. But if my little teachings on, you know, helping someone be kinder mm -hmm. to themselves mm -hmm. leads them to mm -hmm. being kinder to someone else and the ripple effect continues, yep. then I'm doing my job. Yes. Then I'm oh. doing my job. Yes. And yes. so... Yeah, it's become quite beautiful. I think it's finally just hitting me now, like hearing it a lot um, and then seeing like the fruits of my practice and the time that I've put in and the work that I've been doing all come to fruition. Um, I think it's beautiful. It is. It really is. Yeah, and it's still setting. Like it hasn't fully sunk in yet. Mm. Um, but 
yeah, it's something that I'm learning to receive. Mm. Compliments, because I think it's such a, a triggering thing for some, mm. you know, totally appreciative joy. Here yeah. we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I had a teacher say, Mitra, the same wise UCLA teacher, she says, you know, you think your true friends are the ones that stick with you through hard times, but it's your real friends that can be with you through the beautiful times that can celebrate with you. Mm. That's how you'll wean out your real friends. Yes. Amen. Amen. So I love that. Yeah. What, 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 you know, you've done so much, but like, what are like the dreams? Do you have like big goals? Like when you think about yes. the future, oh tell my me gosh. what they look like. So for a while I didn't know. I was just like, I want to lead an international retreat. Then I've been, do- I've been doing that. I did one in Bali, Morocco. Oh my God, can I go to your next one? I, yeah. I want to go to your next Bali one. Bali is in October. Mexico, we're doing boxing and meditation in May. Woo! So I'm realizing okay. it is hitting me that I'm checking off my lifelong bucket list dreams already. Mm. So I was like, how can I do what I want more and better? Mm. But like without putting out more effort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Online course. But um, you know what I've become inspired by now is um, watching... Uh, the Big Quiet. It's a movement. I follow the guy Jesse Israel. Mm. He's a he created the Big Quiet, which is like mass meditation. It started in New York at the mm. Guggenheim and all of these dope places. Oprah Idol has him going on tour now with her, beginning her whole shebang tour, like being Oprah with a mass meditation. Wow! Having fifteen thousand people Ooh. at a time. Ooh. Meditate. Wow. And watching that, I was like, I want to do that. Uh, I want to do that. Uh, wow. In some capacity. Yes. With Oprah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, Manifest. Putting it out there. Yeah. Bring, Manifest. Bring it, yes. me. <laughs> yes. 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 Oh, and I, and I, I, damn, I wish we, whatever. Anyways, one day yeah. we'll, we'll have a part two one day. But uh, now, so my fans call themselves like my little phoenixes because I'm like a phoenix rising out of the fires. Yeah, yeah. Um, so can you drop some gems on my phoenixes? So like any books, any yes. quotes, any oh. people, please. I know you got a shelf full of them. Oh, yeah. Go, go, go. So the books, one you know about. No Mud, No Lotus, Thich Nhat Hanh, Transforming the Art of Suffering. If you've gone through a breakup, if you've lost a loved one or you're just in that tough spot in your life, Get that book. Mm. It'll change your life. Um, Radical Acceptance by mm. Tara Brock. After Ecstasy, The Laundry mm. by Jack Cornfield, which is a beautiful one because once you discover these tools of spiritual practice, you're like, well, I shouldn't even be upset ever because I have all the tools. Mm. Well, he talks about, just like the title, After the Ecstasy, The Laundry. Mm. You got to get back to reality. And mm. so this whole spiritual practice is a forgetting and remembering and forgetting and remembering. Mm. And to accept that. Yeah. And to love it. Mm. Yeah. Um, where can we find you? Where can people follow you? Um, Laraja Mattingly. Also LaRajaMattingly.com. Great. Everything's and, there. Yeah. Different ways to work with me. If you're not in LA and can't come to the den, which beautiful if you are. Um, so many ways. Uh, I have my mentorship program. So if you want to dive deep. Yes. You want the hands-on like you want there. Twice a week or once a week. All of it. All of the things, um, I would suggest that, mm. but that's not for the faint of heart. This mm. is for like if you want to really dive deep. Yeah, you're like you know you you know exactly what you are. Okay, <laughs> you're a gem you, in this in this planet, and we need more people like you. Thank you so much thank for you. taking the time. Thank out. you. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.